Welcome to House of David Ministries. I'm Pastor Eric. And I'm Gabriella. Join us as we learn about the rich heritage of our Christian faith. In each episode, we explore a unique topic that will deepen your knowledge of Christ and who we are as His people. Hello and welcome to another House of David podcast. For those of you who are new to House of David, we are a teaching ministry that helps Christians understand their biblical heritage and connection to Israel. My name is Gabriella, and I'm here with Pastor Eric. Hi, Eric. Hello. So, Eric, last week we discussed some of God's covenants that are in the Old Testament, and today we are going to be talking about the Jewishness of Jesus and the significance of this for God's kingdom. So, Eric, I have some shocking news for you. Apparently, Jesus was a Jew. Yes, that is a shocking revelation for some people. But it is true. Jesus, or if we use his Hebrew name, Yehoshua, which is Joshua, is a Jewish man from the tribe of Judah. But to be fair to those who think differently about Jesus, he's also God incarnate, meaning that God appeared to us in physical bodily form. So some might argue, well, if Jesus is God and he created every tongue, tribe, culture, and nationality, is he really only a Jew or... Maybe there are no more Jews, and everyone is now just a Christian. Or maybe we are all Jews because we believe in the Jewish Jesus. And I've actually gotten some of those comments made to me over the years. So I found it interesting to see the different cultures that have depicted Jesus. And I've seen him look Asian in Asian churches, wears a straw hat. I've seen him with very dark skin in African-American churches. And of course, most of us have seen Jesus with the long, flowing blonde hair and the blue eyes and Anglo churches. And so, you know, I get it. You know, we all want to feel that personal connection with Jesus. He's our Lord and Savior. And so it just goes to show you how important cultural connections are for people. We generally tend to associate with others that are culturally similar to us, and it's comforting. But, you know, I think if we're truly honest about the genetic lineage of Jesus, we would have to admit that he was a Jewish man from the tribe of Judah. You know, he was an Israelite and a Hebrew. He was a man of Semitic origins. And so if you look at the pictures of Semitic people, they usually have olive-toned skin and dark hair and dark eyes. And one more detail that I think it's important to realize from Scripture is that Jesus had short hair. And why is that? Well, because God forbade the Jewish men from growing long hair. And we know that Jesus not only obeyed the law of Moses, he fulfilled it perfectly. So Jesus did not have long, flowing blonde hair. He had short hair. Now, it could have been dark or reddish-brown or ginger, as King David was believed to have reddish hair, but it was most certainly short. Well, that's a great overview. But why do you think it is important for Christians to understand the Jewishness of Jesus? That is a great question. And, you know, I think people get hung up on appearances. And still... If knowing what Jesus looked like was important for us, then I'm pretty sure the Bible would have given us a clear description of his appearance. If anything, actually, the Bible says that Jesus was not particularly attractive. In Isaiah 53, verse 2, it says, He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing is in his appearance that we should desire him. So really, other than this one verse, the Bible doesn't tell us anything about what Jesus looked like. So my conclusion is that God wants us to focus on something more important about Jesus than his appearance. 
things like his lineage as a descendant of the tribe of Judah, and his works of redemption. And just as we talked about in the last episode, that Jesus, his lineage connects Jesus to Adam, and that it associates his lineage with both the kingly and priestly lineages of Israel. So in other words, what I'm saying is that God wants us to understand who Jesus is in terms of his fulfillment of biblical prophecy, and I think more importantly, the fulfillment of God's covenants that he made with Israel. And so if we see Jesus as just that, the fulfillment of all of God's promises, then we can begin to find our connection to him through these covenant promises. So, for example, we find our election in Jesus, our faith, our justification and regeneration, our adoption as sons and daughters of God, our sanctification, security, and, very importantly, our resurrection. But another crucial detail of our connection to Jesus is our inheritance in his kingdom. That's a great segue. God does not want Gentile Christians to become Jews. He wants the nations to become part of his kingdom, a kingdom that has diversity in it. So how does diversity enhance and complement the kingdom? Well, let's begin to answer that with the verse from Scripture. So, Gabby, why don't you read for us Psalm 2, verse 8. Okay, Psalm 2, verse 8. Ask of me, and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. Great. Now, theologians view this prophetic verse as a part of a poetic conversation between God the Father and the Son. And the Father is saying to the Son, Ask me to give you all the nations of the earth as your inheritance, every nation, all the way to the ends of the earth. So that's the entirety of creation. And notice, on the other hand, that God only promised Abraham and his descendants part of the earth as an inheritance. So, Gabby, read for us Genesis 15, verse 18. Okay, Genesis 15, verse 18. On the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your descendants I have given this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates. Yeah, so you see, that's only part of the land, part of the earth. But it is centrally positioned at the juncture of three great continents, Europe, Asia, and Africa. And some even argue that Israel, and specifically Jerusalem, is located at the center of every nation, and spiritually, of course, it most certainly should be. So we need to begin to visually understand God's kingdom. Yes, it is a spiritual kingdom, but it is also physical. Now, that's going to be a great discussion for another podcast. We know that Jesus was resurrected into a physical body, and he is returning to this material earth. So that means heaven is going to invade the creation. And that's why Jesus taught us to pray in Matthew 6, verse 10, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So God's kingdom is going to be established here on earth as it is already in existence in the heavenly realm, meaning the spiritual realm. But what exactly will this earthly kingdom look like? So Gabby, go ahead and read for us uh, Zechariah 14, verse 16. Zechariah 14, verse 16. And it shall come to pass that everyone who is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall go up from year to year to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. Great. So we can learn quite a bit from this verse. First, we see that God is calling all the nations to come up to Jerusalem to worship him. And second, we see that all the nations are invited to join the Lord in celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles. 
which in the New Testament would coincide with the marriage supper of the Lamb. Now, some of you might be thinking, didn't you just say a few minutes ago that God is not trying to turn all the Gentile Christians into Jews? Yes, that is true. But the Feast of Tabernacles was given to Israel as part of the Mosaic Covenant, and God's purposes in giving it to Israel was to ultimately bring or invite the nations to join Israel in worshiping the one true God of the universe. And Paul said here in Romans chapter 9, verses 3 through 5, he says, I could wish that I myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my countrymen according to the flesh, who are Israelites, to whom pertain the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the service of God, and the promises, of whom are the fathers, and from whom, according to the flesh, Christ came, who is over all the eternally blessed God. Amen. And then in Romans 3, we read, verses 1 and 2, Paul says, what advantage then has the Jew? Or what is the profit of circumcision? Well, much in every way, chiefly because to them were committed the oracles of God. And then lastly, in Romans 11, Paul says that these oracles and all the promises that were we just read in Romans 9, they were given to Israel with an irrevocable calling. And so in Romans 11, verses 28 and 29, he says, concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sake. But concerning the election, they are beloved for the sake of the fathers, for the gifts and the callings of God are irrevocable. So, in other words, God has not taken away Israel's calling, even if they are living in disobedience to him. And this is true for us also as Christians, since we know that our callings were preordained by God before we were even born. So, here are a few more verses from the Old Testament about Israel's calling. And Gabby, why don't you read them for us? Isaiah 27, 6. And Zechariah 8, 23. Sure. So Isaiah 27, verse 6. Those who come, he shall cause to take root in Jacob. Israel shall blossom and bud and fill the face of the world with fruit. And then Zechariah 8, verse 23. Thus says the Lord of hosts, In those days, ten men from every language of the nations shall grasp the sleeve of a Jewish man, saying, let us go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. Yeah, so you can see it's pretty clear that Israel's primary responsibility is to both share the gospel of Christ's kingdom with every nation, and then ultimately to invite them up to Jerusalem to worship Jesus and celebrate his feasts and his holy convocations. So this understanding acknowledges the unique calling of Israel, but it also does not diminish the uniqueness of each nation. So, in Revelation, we see a picture of the diversity of God's kingdom. So, Gabby, go ahead and read for us one of those verses in Revelation chapter 5, actually verses 9 and 10. Revelation 5, verses 9 through 10. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. Yeah, that's great. And I like that John affirms that he says, we will reign with Jesus on the earth. So there you have it. God's kingdom is established here on earth as it is in heaven. And Israel is gathered back to the land that God promised to Abraham's descendants. Jesus is king and high priest over Israel and all the nations, and he reigns in Jerusalem. And the nations, and the rabbis say that there are 70 Gentile nations, 
come up every year to worship Jesus and to celebrate the feasts of the Lord. Although we do find in the end that not every nation will be saved, Jesus will judge the nations for how they have treated the Jewish people. In fact, here in Matthew 25, why don't you read verses 31 and 32 for us? When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. That's from Matthew 25, verses 31 and 32. Yeah, we want to be a sheep nation, this country, don't we? We sure do. And lastly, yeah, although this is a controversial topic for some people, even the Sabbath will be observed by the nations in God's kingdom. And uh, why don't you read Isaiah 66, verse 23 for us? Isaiah 66, verse 23, And it shall come to pass that from one new moon to another, and from one Sabbath to another, all flesh shall come to worship before me, says the Lord. Yeah, so where is the church going to be when Jesus returns? Well, we know the Bible says we'll, we will be ruling and reigning with him from Jerusalem over all the nations and families of the earth. So if we go back to Psalm 2, which you read earlier, where it says, Ask of me, and I will give you the nations for your inheritance. This verse tells us that a substantial part of our eternal inheritance that we receive in Christ will be the inheritance of the nations. And so we simply cannot understand God's kingdom without recognizing that Jesus is a Jewish man. And yes, he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, but he is specifically called the King of the Jews. And the nations are joined to Jesus through Israel. So all the dots are connected to Israel. Now, Paul says in Romans 11 that the Gentiles have been grafted in amongst them, meaning Israel. And Paul makes a distinction between adopting and grafting, and he's careful not to use a physical object to metaphorically represent something spiritual, such as our adoption by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So Paul is inarguably referring to something tangible, physical, when he speaks of grafting, and namely he is describing the kingdom of God. And again, it's true that the kingdom is spiritual, but it is also material. And the olive tree is scripturally used to depict Israel in a physical sense. So what does the grafting of wild olive branches into natural ones look like, both spiritually and naturally? Well, grafting brings two types of trees together as one species. And wild olive trees are known for having bitter-tasting fruit with large, stony pits, while cultivated olive trees produce juicy and pleasant-tasting fruit with smaller pits. But there's another advantage. In the olive oil industry, grafting extracts the hardy roots of one variety with the fertility of another. And the whole point of grafting is that each part of the grafted tree keeps its original character. So for example, the variety used for the rootstock may be resistant to fungus or other pests, while the upper grafted tree branches, they might have weak roots, but they have large fruit with high oil content. And so the resulting tree has the best of both varieties, a solid foundation to a tree that produces much fruit. And that's the spiritual picture of God's kingdom. And so by grafting the Gentile nations into Israel, he has created symbiotically a relationship between them that not only retains the best features of each nation, but together produce a richness to the kingdom that simply will not occur with out God bringing his collective and diverse family together as one 
cultivated olive tree. And this picture of God's kingdom was already prophesied in the book of Moses. So Gabby, go ahead and read for us Deuteronomy 32, verse 8. Deuteronomy 32, verse 8. When the Most High divided their inheritance to the nations, when he separated the sons of Adam, he set the boundaries of the peoples according to the number of the children of Israel. Yes, God has correlated the boundaries and the inheritance of the nations to the 12 tribes of Israel. And the Hebrew word used here is children of Israel, not children of Elohim, as some proclaim. So it should be no surprise that the New Jerusalem has 12 gates named after the 12 tribes of Israel. And its foundations are the 12 Jewish apostles of the Lamb. And all the nations flow into God's city through these 12 gates. Everything has a Jewish correlation and foundation. God scattered the Jewish people to the nations because of idolatry and rebellion. Um, And he has allowed the Jewish people to adopt diverse and unique cultures of the places we were scattered to. How do you think that fits into God's kingdom plans? Yeah, it fits beautifully. Israel was called to be a light to the nations, but instead we became dark, turning to idolatry and rebelling against God. So God scattered us to the nations where we brought God's blessings and adopted much of the surrounding culture, especially their cuisine. Now, not all cultures were adopted, but some. And many Jews have gained an affinity for those places that we temporarily called home. But because of our rebellion and rejection of our calling to be a light to the Gentiles, God went out to the nations with the message of the gospel and brought many into his kingdom. And he used mostly Gentiles for the past 2,000 years to continue this great commission. And in turn, Christians have provoked Jewish people to jealousy and brought many Jewish people to know their Jewish Messiah. But now it is our calling as Jewish believers to bring the nations up to Jerusalem to worship the king and to teach them how to walk in God's ways. Gabby, why don't you go ahead and read for us from Isaiah chapter 2, verse 3. Many people shall come and say, Come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways and we shall walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. That's Isaiah 2, verse 3. Yeah, when Jesus returns, he has promised to gather all the Jewish people from the nations where he scattered us and plant us in the land that he promised to Abraham. But I believe that we, the Jewish people, will continue to have this deep love and affinity and close relationship with those Gentile nations for eternity. And so now you can see the beauty and the fulfillment of God's kingdom plans. On the one hand, it will not be complete until the Jewish people are returned to the land of Israel. But on the other hand, it will also not be complete until there is the diversity of nations gathered with the Jewish people together with the Lord in Jerusalem. And I believe that only then, when we are one in the Lord and one with each other, will the temple of the Lord be completely filled with his presence. Amen. And I know we are all looking forward to that day. Well, thank you, Pastor Eric. And thank you to all of our listeners for joining us today. Please subscribe to our channel. And if you enjoyed this podcast, we encourage you to like it and share it with others. We look forward to joining us next time on House of David podcast. If you have enjoyed this podcast from House of David Ministries, make sure you subscribe to our channel and don't forget to visit our website where you can sign up for our monthly newsletter. 
we pray the Lord richly bless you, and we look forward to having you join us again for our next episode.